Well, what a wonderful reminder of the fact that Christ's blood indeed cleanses us white as snow. And to sing that song on a day when we're expecting five to seven inches of snow today. So yeah, some of you are very excited about that. It just gives me the opportunity to give you some fatherly advice to, since your parents aren't here to tell you, please drive carefully on the roads, okay? Please do that. We just sang about God's goodness, and our speaker today knows a great deal about God's goodness. Our speaker is a pastor, an educator, an author, and a community leader. He serves as the donor of engagement officer and cross-cultural engagement pastor at the Union Gospel Mission in St. Paul. He has taught with the Christian Missionary Alliance in their Theological Training by Extension program. He has a degree, a bachelor's degree, from Toccoa Falls College in Georgia, which is a denominational sister school of ours. And he also has a degree from Bethel University and Seminary. And if you hear him make comments about Crown College, I'm warning you, please show him the utmost grace and forgiveness. He has already warned me that he might make comments about Crown College, but we're going to show him grace. He's involved in a variety of ministries across the Twin Cities. He's the recipient of numerous community awards for his cross-cultural work. He's engaged in things like translating discipleship curriculum from English to Hmong. He's a wonderful leader, and we're so glad to have him. His particular story is about God's goodness, and it is captured in an autobiography called Crossing the River, One Man's Journey from Darkness to Light. In that story, he tells of being born homeless, and after the fall of Vietnam, hiding himself in the jungles of Laos, and at the age of 16, escaping Laos on a nine-hour swim to Thailand where he lived as a refugee uh, for eight months. He knows something about God's goodness, of which we just sang. So would you please join me in welcoming Reverend Chur Mua to Crown College. Thank you, Dr. Kuhn. Thank you for that uh, generous introduction, if you will, and even uh, ask you to forgive me for being a Tokoa Falls College alumni. Um, such a good morning to you. It's my privilege to be here to join you to worship this morning. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Grateful to the Lord God for using Crown College and the Alliance Schools to train people like me to serve for the purpose of sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And as I said, I'm a TFC graduate, but I would not hold anything against Crown. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Kuhn, for yielding your pulpit for me to share the uh, gospel or the message today to the Crown family. For the next 20 minutes or so, 
The Pew Research, as quoted by Fox News, found that there are fewer white Christians today than in 2007. 50% in 2007 and 40% today, a 10% drop in the last eight years, if my calculation is correct. As I prepare to come and share with you this morning, I browse through the Crown's website, and the mission statement reads, called to serve, prepared to lead. My prayer is that the Spirit of God would nudge all of our hearts as to what he desires us to do. Dr. Kuhn shared with me that your theme for the year is First, First, Corinthians, First Corinthians 16, 9, which reads, a great door for effective work has opened to me. The next phrase says, but, and there are many who oppose me. Verse 8 tells us that Paul intended to stay on, on, at Ephesus longer until Pentecost because people were responding to the gospel. Given the current global political upheaval, the door for effective work is flung wide open, both here at home and around the world. The time to wake up to the reality of these opportunities is now. The place is here in the metro of Minneapolis, St. Paul. At the same time, we must come to grips with the reality that there are giants in our lives that we have to be able to kill. For Samuel 17, let me just share with you today that scripture gives us principles as to how we are going to kill our giants. If we are going to be effective in the work that the Lord has called us to do, we have to be able to kill giants in our lives so that the kingdom of God can be expanded. Before we go on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity for us to live and to breathe, to have our being again. Lord, today as we gather for a moment to worship you, Lord, we thank you that nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus that can make us clean and whole. Lord, be our teacher today. Teach us of what you have us. Lord, uh, that we will learn from your word, not only learning, but we would practice your word today for the sake of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, turn to First Samuel 17. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read a few verses. Scripture says in First Samuel 17, verse 1 and 4 says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and and a half. 
verse 8 and 9 says, He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Verses 23 through 26. Then the champion, the Philistine of Gath, uh, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same word as before. And David heard them, and David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done to the man who kills this Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verses 41 through 47. And the Philistine moved forward and came near David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I not a dog, that you come to me with stakes? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give you flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all, the, all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I know that the door of opportunity is wide open. At the same time, as the Apostle Paul said, many who oppose us. So there are four principles that I wanted to share with you today as to um, uh, how you can prevail in your, uh, your preparation in leading in the days ahead. As the student of this generation, the opportunity is great, but the opposition is also great. So number one, in order for us to, uh, to kill our giants, we have to be conscious of the battle before us. Our ability to kill giants depends on our knowledge of the existence of the war. According to this passage, the Philistines gathered for war. They gathered for one purpose and one purpose only, to destroy the nation of Israel. 
Scripture says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath, whose height was six cubits and a half. What are your battles? Lose weight? Mending that strained relationship? Admitting that you were wrong when you made that comment without thinking through? Do you know that you are at war? You see, all of us at some point in our lives go about life as usual without realizing that we walk in the midst of the war zone. You know, I don't know about you, but if you follow the current political debates that are going on right now, even now in Paris, a lot of people don't admit that we are at war with ISIS, with terrorism. There is a war going on, and people are being killed every day, but we don't admit that there is a war going on. So the problem for us is that we are so comfortable in our skins that we don't really care about what's going on around us. You know, I, I would bet that most of you would not be uh, willing to walk in the middle of the night in South Minneapolis or North Minneapolis or on the east side of St. Paul, where I come from. Because we are so comfortable here on the outskirts of the city, and we don't think there is such a war in, in going on. Spiritually speaking, though, all of us know that we are at war, and we need to understand that. So point number one is we have to realize that we are at war. Number two, we have to know who our enemy is. Yes, consciously aware that we are at war is one thing. But knowing our enemy, who our enemy is, is the second thing that we have to have. If you don't know who your enemy is, you would not be effective and efficient in fighting that enemy. Identifying our enemy will give us a clear picture as to who they are and their ability. David knew that uh, Goliath was a giant, but he was not God. You see, a lot of times when we face problems or are, are drawn to the battle, we fail to see that the enemy is as mortal as we are. Yes, the enemy may be giant, but he is not God. David also knew that Goliath's town of Israel was not only mocking Israel, but he is mocking the living God. I am reminded of scripture says in Psalm 2:4 that the one enthroned in heaven laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. So Knowing who our enemy is will give us the courage to stand our ground and even advance toward the front line to fight him instead of retreating and allowing him 
to overtake us on our turf, if you will. Point number three is that we have to know our enemy's tactic, engage us in our emotion. We have to know that. Don't fight the enemy on your turf, but fight him on his turf. The next step is knowing what your enemy is capable of and what resources he or she has. Listen to what scripture says about Goliath taunting the Israelite army. The champion, the Philistine of Gath, um, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same word as before. Think about the, 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 the words of the Philistine for a moment. If you're in the front line and uh, uh, with the Israelite army and see the same giant walking toward the battle line saying the same thing over and over and over and over again, how does that affect your mind? To use a military term, the enemy declares a psychological warfare on you so that if he plays long enough with your mind, you will have to retreat and run for your life. We know, or maybe we don't know, that decisions that are made when and with emotion, you know, emotional highs are not necessarily the best decisions, whether they are positive or negative. Allowing the enemy to play with our minds long enough and we will be convinced of our weaknesses instead of the power of the living God that we serve. So the word of God reminds us again that God's grace is sufficient and his power makes perfect in our weakness. In the, in the sports world, which I'm not much of a fan of any sport because I don't know much about uh, the, the ins and outs of the rules and regulations of engagement, but if you hear people talk about the home, the home court advantage, it's not so in the war, in the conflict context. In order for you to beat your enemy, you have to engage him on his turf instead of allowing him to come to your turf. So in order for us to kill giants, we must know that our enemy is attempting to play trick on us to insult us and to instill fear in us and must be prepared to withstand such blatant lies the enemy tries to feed into our hearts and minds. Point number four, we have to know our resources. You see, David, even though Goliath is oversized, overpowered him, he knew his resources. For David, his resources were not just the smooth stones and the sling he had. Listen to what he said again. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a, with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies 
of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. It's not what he has, but it's who he has. It's not the smooth stones from the creek, but the stone which the builders rejected that has become the cornerstone, Psalm 18, 22, which Jesus himself quoted in the, um, in the Gospels and Peter quoted in his first epistle, the resources at our disposal is not a thing, but it's a person. John says in his epistle, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Do you know that you have all the resources you need to win the battle? Knowing what you have and how to use them would give you the courage to stand your ground in the face of seemingly overwhelming battle. So how do you kill giants? According to 1 Samuel 17, there are four principles that we can take away today. Number one, we have to be consciously aware that there is a battle going on. You see, David was a shepherd. His job was just taking care of his father's sheep. Until he went to the front line, he didn't realize what was going on. I don't know if he really knew that there was war going on. There was no iPhones. There was no iPads. Which is interesting, uh, a couple of years ago, I was driving my wife from work, and a friend of mine called and said, uh, you know, Cheryl, let's get together for lunch. And I said, I'm driving. I don't have my calendar. So he just laughed. He said, you know, uh, funny, because 30 years ago, you were in the jungle, and you had nothing, and now you are using a, an electronic calendar. So we just laughed. But, you know, all of these are important, but we have to know that there is a battle that is beyond these gadgets. Number two, we must know who our enemy is. You see, right now, I think America still refused to identify uh, terrorists as terrorists. And, and, and we, we need to really understand that. And I want to be political, but we really need to understand that, that, that we have an enemy, and we have to fight an enemy for the Christian church, for the Christian, for the Christ follower. You have to know your enemy. And then number four, we have to know our enemy's tactics. They used words, their champions, and their swords. They played with the Israelites' minds and hearts. They knew that if they played long enough, they would win. And number four, we have to know our resources. Our resources, as Paul tells us, 
in the New Testament is the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoe of evangelism, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and the prayer, which the words of our testimony. So we, as God's people, we have to know that there is a war going on. So how do you kill your giant in your life? Maybe your giant is not so much uh, the, the spiritual side of things. Maybe your giant is simply beat the alarm clock to get to class today. Maybe your giant is pretty much listen to mom and dad when they are so nagging that I don't, don't want to go home because if I go home, my mom and dad are, are nagging at me. I know because I was there once before. Maybe your giant is just to finish the term paper that uh, your, your professor requires before you go home for Christmas and you're just dragging your feet. Maybe your giant is to go to bed on time so you can wake up on time. Whatever it is, don't allow the enemy to play on your mind. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, grant that we would be able to identify, we would be able to know that we're in a war zone. Lord, for your word says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces, the principalities of the air. Lord, grant us, grant us the ability to know, to discern, so that we can fight the battle in the enemy's turf. Don't wait until the enemy comes to our turf. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. And I believe you are dismissed. Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me.